Welcome to the Checkmates Go podcast. Join your favorite Checkpoint expert, Phone Boy, and his guests as they cover a range of cybersecurity topics to help you secure your everything. Be sure to subscribe and share, and don't forget to rate and review us. And now, here's Phone Boy. And welcome to Season 3, Episode 18. So I'm back talking with cybersecurity evangelist Grant Asplund, and I wanted to get a little bit of details about MetaInfo, which was the company that Grant was a part of back in 1998 when Checkpoint acquired it. But of course, we got sidetracked and started talking about old technology that we figured out how to make work in different ways. But it is it has some implications in cybersecurity because a lot of the issues that we run into today or that, that become security vulnerabilities are based on code that's been around for, well, a long time. I start off this conversation by asking Grant his history after opening the Apple dealer in the Pacific Northwest and, well, where his career took him then. Like all of us, I think, uh, or many of us in the tech industry, you know, it's different than most of the other industries where, you know, you're kind of expected to take care of yourself. I think sometimes it was almost like, you've been there how long? Right. Uh, You know, um, there was a time for sure when things were, you know, moving so fast, it was almost frowned upon if you were someplace for for too long. Yeah. So I went from helping open the Apple dealership to opening the office for Apple computer in Alaska. I got promoted and ran reseller sales development for the uh, Western operations, about 216 resellers, 660 million in revenue. That was back in 90-ish, I guess. Um, And, you know, I went to work for a company called Traveling Software. Some of you old uh, folks might remember the old blue and yellow cables when we went from five and a quarter to three and a half. And how do I transfer my files? They were quite a popular product for a long time. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Lap link is what it was called. Oh, yeah, I've used that a few times. Yeah. Yeah. And then I joined a startup that was called Headbone Interactive and timings everything, ladies and gentlemen. And they had the coolest concept. They had this very, you know, Elroy was this educational CD-ROM and was really popular, had a cool sensibility. And they wanted to put it online. But you know, this was like drinking a milkshake with a coffee straw, man. I mean, nobody in 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 some of the graphics, it's like a banana, right? You, you're just not going to get it through. The bandwidth wasn't there. And we did some really innovative things. I, it was some of the very first uh, cross-marketing where we literally had a full half-page cartoon called the Headbone Zone that drove you back to headbone.com which was where we had all these games. It was pretty cool, but a lot of money never made it. I bounced and um, then ended up at MetaInfo. And uh, that was uh, first in the world to port Bind to Windows. Uh, and, and, you know, the vision was, uh, gosh, and you got to give it to Gil and Shlomo and Marius and that original crew because... What they saw is DHCP came out, and heretofore a policy is you know 1.2.3.4 source destination 3.4.5.6 right, and wouldn't it be nice if it was source grant destination Damien, right? I mean very cool, but 
that I mean that was the the vision when they acquired MetaInfo in April fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight, and that's when I first joined Checkpoint. Yeah, and it's kind of funny to see that that concept was maybe a little bit ahead of its time in a sense because um, way yeah be, you know now you know we talk about in the product we talk about uh, effectively that right it's you know we we cr- we're creating policies based on who you are not necessarily this is all this is all part of the product now uh, I, I I remember some somebody I think it was Bob Bent who, who's been at Checkpoint longer than anybody I know pretty much maybe except for ex, you know except for maybe Dorit right and and Gil um, but uh, he he's got this you know he 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 dug up this diagram from the '90s and you look at it and you go wow you know we had this vision now we you know the the names of some of the products have changed and the you know the basic yep. concept has changed you know and some, yep. but it's like. He had this figured out back in the nineties. That's right. And, That's right. And it's yeah, it's just and it's just taken that long for everything to catch up and and uh, you know and you kind of go oh yeah he he's really got this he really had this right. Definitely saw through the eye of the needle long ago, well over twenty years ago. You have to realize the acquisition was made in April of nineteen ninety eight. That's uh, of MetaInfo, right? The issue was, I kind of liken it to trying to change the course of a river, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. And there was a river of, I mean, there was a torrential flood called the internet and everybody was racing to it, right? Mm -hmm. And the last thing people were really thinking about was the level of sophistication they'd be able to derive from it. All they wanted to do was get a perimeter. I mean, it was just this whole notion that I'm out in the ocean, I need a perimeter. It was the only way people thought, despite there were a number of, I mean, you remember there were some pretty cool, innovative products, floodgate and being able to integrate that into the policy. You know, I mean, the whole weighted fair queuing capability, that was cool um, and way ahead of its time. Yeah, but I, and I think it's it's kind of funny too because I now I, so when I got into the to um, you know supporting checkpoint stuff actually before that I I was uh, my first exposure to cybersecurity of course it wasn't called that back in 1995 or 1996 right. but it was um, but but we started the company I was working for started working with. Um, Trusted information systems. So, so, um, so we actually sold the TIS Gauntlet firewall. This, this is going <laughs> way back, right? And so you get so I so needless to say, this is you know that's a proxy based firewall. It came yep. with source code. You built it. I actually a couple of times ended up having to modify the source code to figure out what it was what it was doing, and because in order to because there wasn't a. Um, I, I remember we did an install at a location and it kept failing. And the reason why is because some Solaris or SunOS library wasn't included. And the only way I was able to figure that out was to basically recompile the source code <laughs> and go, something's wrong. Right. And it, that was what it was. Right. Then, mm. So, it, yeah, it, it, it's stuff like that. You just kind of, you know, now 
people buy appliances that have all of this stuff, you know, it's, it's all pre-configured, right? I mean, it's, you know, back in the early days of checkpoint, you, you know, you had to, you had to harden the operating system that you were, you, you had to pick, a, oh. pick one of the supportive operating systems. You had to harden it. And yeah. then you install this, you know, this, this, this other product on top of it. And, you know, in keeping those two things maintained was, it was, was, it was a bit of work. And now it's a, you know, now it's a, a single appliance and, uh, you know, the, click, click, done. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's, it, and yeah. I mean, I got, I was on the front lines of that whole sort of transformation, right. Is, is it yeah. because yeah, in the very early days, I mean, yeah, I used to support, you know, checkpoint. And I remember when checkpoint on windows NT came out, I mean, it's, it was a, you know, and, and, you know, and it's kind of funny that we still had customers up until, I, and I'm sure there's still a handful of customers still running with on windows NT somewhere. And, yep. you know, they're not, they just don't want to admit it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can't, but yeah, but you, yeah, but it's not supported anymore by, you know, sure. so, Sure, but if it works, they're okay. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's know. you know, and that's the the thing, right? It's like you, right. you know, I get that people. It's like if so, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like that with other parts of my, you know, other technologies I have. If it doesn't, if it works, I don't want to replace it. Yeah, because yeah. why? Because you know, just from a purely an environmental point of view, it's like, do I need to buy something new when I've got something that's already that I already own that will yeah. more or less do the same thing, right? Okay, well, yeah. but. You know, when you start talking about cybersecurity, the, you know, in all of the different and and everything that we're now being asked to do, you know, back in the early days, it was enough to, you know, just do some some basic packet filtering. Right? Sure. It's you know sure. now you look at what what a, what a you know a, a next generation firewall, and I kind of laugh at that because. Checkpoint called their product next generation. 1999. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We, 1999. Yeah. yeah. Before, that's, that's, I think it's hilarious. It's one of the things I always like to point out uh, that in, it was, we had next generation firewall last generation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's well, and what is, what is next generation from what it's, it's, it's always continually evolving. Right? Exactly. But, but if we look at, but if we look at into the, um, yeah, but if we look into uh, what was I going to say that um, I got distracted. <laughs> that happens, man. I I totally get it. But let me tell you one. This might jar it. I I'll tell you a quick story. This goes back, and this is how the industry's changed so much. So I was selling Macintosh with laser printer. Right. And yeah. you have to remember Macintosh laser printer, Aldous page maker product called Switcher that was a memory partitioner. Yeah. I, yeah, right? I remember some of the stuff. Know, yeah. I put all this stuff together and show how you could do near uh, print quality. Right. I mean, it was 300 DPI. Now nobody bats an eye. The resolution so much higher. But back then you got to realize the comparison was against 1600 or 2500 DPI to 300. So everybody saw it. It was just whether or not it was good enough to accept. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it was it was good enough to accept. So I'm doing my selling and I get a lead from a guy who's a wholesale distributor of electronics parts in a town called Lacey. You know Lacey. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's down by Olympia, yeah. Yeah, 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 by the Capitol. So I go down there for a meeting and I've got my demo Mac uh with the hard drive, uh my my laser printer. I got it all and I know how to use it all, right? And I also have always prided myself on being a little bit more technical than the average sales guy, although, you know, I, I'm just a Gilligan. I'm no professor. So this guy tells me how he's got this PDP-11, which is the old uh, digital. Oh, yeah, I know uh, what a PDP-11 uh, is. We had those in right. high school. 
and and he's got terminals and all of his some 60,000 SKUs is in this system for all of his minutia for inventory management but he can't print he can only print to the screen why because a printer costs like sixty, eighty thousand dollars for this PDP eleven that he has, and he can't afford it. So I ask him to run the report, and he's on a VT one twenty, yeah, or one o two, or VT one, yeah, VT that. It was, it yeah. was, I think, the original early one. So he logs in, runs the report onto his screen, and he's got to do a control break to stop it. And guess if he's close, because he can't scroll through because it goes too fast on his screen. It's just crazy, right? Yeah. And, and that's how he'll find prices. And so he's mastered this timing technique of how long to wait to do a control break to get to the S's or to get to the right area, right? So one of the things that I know you can do is on a Mac, they have the the, the round serial ports, what they call the DIN 8. Yeah, I remember port, those, yeah. Right? Exactly. And, and you could get a cable that went from an old Apple IIe serial card, right. 25 pin. Yeah, exactly, yeah. To the Image Writer 2, which was a DIN 8. And if you took that cable and turned it around... You could take the DIN 8 end and plug it into the modem port on the back of the Mac. Take the 25 pin and plug it in to the terminal port. And every Mac shipped with a product called Mac Terminal. Yeah, I remember that. And you could double click on Mac Terminal and hit enter. And the login screen came on. Zero configuration out of the box, bang! I think it was VT100. Yeah. Uh, now that I, I remember, VT100, and then there was the 220, um, and it did all these emulations, right? But I, I remember I boot up the machine and I hit enter, and it comes up, and I turn it to him and give him the keyboard, and the guy's eyes are just giant. He types in, you know, his password, and I say, okay, run the report. Now you'll remember there was a feature in the Mac called scroll lines off top. It was a screen buffer. Yeah, exactly. Which, See, which every, which, you know, everything has now. Yeah. No big deal. But back then this is magic. Yeah. So I say, run the report. He runs the report. It screams by, I say, don't stop it. Don't stop it. Gets end. And then I scroll back through by clicking on the up arrow and that little page that we all just take so for granted today. And the guy about messed himself, but it got better because I could then select it all like we do every day, right? We yeah, select exactly. it, task switch, go to Excel, paste it, do some manipulation, bold, italic, and then print it on the laser printer. I kid you not, it was absolutely the fastest, full price, zero discount transaction I'd ever made. He looked at me and he said, how much is all of this? Can you leave it? And I said, no, I can't leave it, but I can have it back to you, all yours, brand new this afternoon. How much? And it was like $42,000 with all the software, everything. 
And he literally yells to his uh, receptionist, get that checkbook. It was awesome. It was awesome. But it was understanding that, you know, you could turn that cable around, understanding that they had, I mean, it's things that uh, you just, you don't, you don't see happen too often today, but it was awesome. Yeah. It's it's amazing what you could, and that's, yeah. I mean, I've I've done, I I didn't do it in a sales context, but yeah, you look at, so you go, hmm, does this work? Right. And you, and you just go, huh, yeah, it does work. And it's a, you know, and, and I remember, so my high school, uh, so this is 1987 and they, they started, it wasn't PDP. I think they went from PDP 11s to minivaxes. Yep. And so I think you're exactly right. That was like the end of the era before they, yeah. they moved. Yeah. And so we had in our computer room at that time, we had, um, you know, VT 100 yep. style terminals. Right. And yep, the and, tubes. Yeah. The tubes. Right. And yeah, our printer in our little, in our little lab area was actually, um, it actually had a keyboard on it. So it was, a. It, <laughs> yeah. But everything was all connected with serial. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So go for So that was when I first started there. That was what we had. There was no internet access either, but this was, you know, but we had to, but, you know, we would use email. We would use, um, you know, I don't know. We, you know, I guess we could d- develop programs in Pascal or something like that or, or whatever, or whatever that, that I think the teacher, I think that like the staff used some other programs or something for it, but, mm. um, but um, you know, again, I can't remember. I, I can't even remember the name of the uh, the the word processing program that we used. But we would use it to do our papers and stuff. But word perfect? No, it wasn't word perfect. It was whatever. It was some vax, and I can't mm. remember the name oh. of it. Yeah, I can't Got remember it. what it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I just remember you pushed the gold button and the F to to. <laughs> yeah. So that's that was the way I used to sell the Mac. That was my most effective way of selling the Mac. I'd sit down with an IBM bigot and I'd say, so I'm sitting at the, uh, how do you print with Lotus one, two, three slash FPP, right? Right. Right. Yeah. How do you print with word? Perfect. Shift F seven. How do you print with the product that's coming out next month from Ashton Tate? Uh, I don't don't know. It's not out yet. How do you print with a Macintosh file, print, file, print, file, print. I mean, it sounds so benign today when you talk about it. And I'm just thinking people are listening going, oh, my God, this guy is like, what are you Yeah, we're, 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 yeah, we're getting a bunch <laughs> of old, old fogies here talking about Oh, my about. God. <laughs> but it's so, you know, it's so extraordinary how things have evolved to, um, you know, as technology gets more and more powerful and more and more sophisticated, we actually mask that sophistication from a complexity and technical perspective, right? It's like I would challenge any, uh, not any, but most really don't even know or care about an IP address or DHCP or any of that stuff, right? I mean, it just works. It just works. Yeah, but I would now I would say from a, so let's go back to, let's, let's bring it to cybersecurity for a second, right? A lot of these old things have a habit of hanging around for a very long time mm. and become sources of issues um, beca- yeah. because they were never designed with these things in mind. Um, you know, like you talked that you talked about printing as an example. Right. And this is yeah. and so, 
you know, now if you if you go and I'll even bring it to something that's been in the news recently, the uh, there was a there was a vulnerability in the Windows print server print spooler that Mm -hmm. was a remote code execution kind of thing. Right. So one of the things that evolved from the from the old DOS way of every app had its own printing way to print, right? You right. know, when you get into Win, you know, you go to Windows and, you know, Windows 2000 and XP, et cetera, right? You know, there's this, there's now this subsystem that handles printing. So an application doesn't need to know how to print. It just needs to know how to send it to the print spooler. Right. Well, the print spooler has been there for, you know, it's been the same probably for, you know, 20 plus years or something like, you know, whenever it got introduced into mm-hmm. Windows. And, you know, this code has become, you know, it's like, okay, now people are starting to mess with that code and go, oh, you can do with these things that were, you know, it was never, you know, this was intended to run on a local system, maybe with, um, you know, right. with, without the, with, without us being connected. And, you know, it's, and it's, and it's like, you know, you go back to, you know, what you said before, if it doesn't, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Well, yeah. and that, and now people are finding new ways to break stuff and you go, oh yeah, we got to fix that. Right. Yep. Uh, you, you know, you see, see these vulnerabilities that show up in 20 plus year old code and it and it's not because that people necessarily were you know leaving the vulnerabilities there to be found later they just it wasn't part of their 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 thought process it wasn't part of their oh this might cause this other impact and yep. you know now we've you know now we're infinitely more connected we've got infinitely more processing power we've got infinitely more storage um one of the corporate taglines is new world new opportunities right and that's that's it's it's opportunities for you know for for good and bad actually right there's Absolutely. so so when you start seeing vulnerabilities in you know 10 plus year old code it's it's not surprising when you when you go back through just how long some of the stuff's been there you go oh or yeah. or here's a, or here's here's something else that came up too it's not even a security vulnerability it's just a you know it goes back long enough i was listening to a podcast about um you know it it, it COVID-19 came up or something. And and, and, mm-hmm. it, and it turned out that some of the, that there was a spreadsheet somewhere that was stored, that was uh, saved in an old Excel format. Right. So we're talking, you know, and Excel has been around for, you know, I don't know how long it's been around for a long time. Right. Long time. Uh, yeah. But it's the original file format that had a maximum number of rows of like 65,000. And, what what happened was this this spreadsheet, which you know people use spreadsheets for all kinds of things that probably shouldn't be used using spreadsheets for it. Totally. Neither here nor there, but because they exceeded this limit and they didn't know about it, and it, it, they lost a bunch of data as a result, and it caused all the, the it caused the numbers to be completely not counted correctly. Mm. And, and, and I think somebody had asked Bill Gates about this in an interview and he said, well, you know, this is what happened, right? It was, they, they, you know, explain this limit and you just kind of go, wow, you wonder how many of these things people run into. And it's like, and they, you know, it's like, okay, we made this practical decision back in, you know, ni- you know, in the, you know, probably the early nineties or something to say, yeah, nobody's, you know, nobody needs more than 640 K Ram or 65,000 rows in a, in a spreadsheet. Right. Well, yep. you know, that was just, that was just, that's a power too. It's kind of an, it's kind of the natural place. That, Ken Olson. Yeah. Nobody he's going to have a PC on their desk. Yeah. But right? he's famous for saying that. Yeah. And that's, and, and yeah, that, and that's the thing, right. And, and we're, and meanwhile, we've got, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and if I, if I look at what I've got in terms of computers, I've got way more, I've got multiple computers sitting at my desk here. Well, yeah. and, and, and the one that we hold, you know, I always remind people, you know, this is a supercomputer. Yeah. That you also can use as a phone to call it, 
a phone or smartphone is really a disservice. It's an anachronism. Rec- <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is so much more than that. And and it's it's a testament to Moore's Law, right? Yeah. It's a testament to this continuation of, of the industry and how no matter when you get into it, you're getting in at the beginning of something. Exactly. And that's, and that's awesome. Um, and, you know, the other thing I'll mention that I've brought up before about cybersecurity that I think is interesting is that we've went from the original incarnations really were irritants, you know, reboot and it'll go away, you know, take out that DLL and and you'll be fine because you had worms eating characters or whatever, right? And then, you know, of course, Stuxnet, the granddaddy demonstrated kinetic damage can be done. And then we quickly move on to things like the ping insulin pump that has a flaw that if I'm successful, I can administer a lethal dose of insulin. So from an annoyance to kinetic to physical life and death, you know, we're in a new world of everything being hyper-connected. And I think you're exactly right. You know, it's almost like the universe, right, uh, Damien, and all of the space junk yeah. that's up there, right? I mean, it, it, there's an enormous amount of junk up there. And I suspect that there's probably enormous amount of junk down here. Uh, and the other problem, too, is, you know, and I know there are many that they get a call. This is Microsoft support. You need to call urgently to upgrade and you call and they say, okay, get to your machine. Okay. Go to run type RDP, right? Yeah. And people do it because they don't understand it. Um, and so, you know, I think it just shows that as long as there are people involved on both sides of that fence, we're in business. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Checkmates Go. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app, leave us a rating and review, and share with your colleagues on social media. And we'll see you next time.